Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. I'm Darren Hefty. And I'm Brian Hefty. Thanks for joining us. Today on the show, we're going to talk a little about the corn crop around the United States and Canada. If you'd like to call in, we'd love to hear from you throughout the show today. Our phone lines will be open 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. You could also email us, radio at agphd.com. Or find us on Twitter, AgPhDMedia, Darren Hefty or Brian Hefty. So, yes, we would like to hear, how's your corn crop look right now? I'll just tell you on our own farm, it's looking a little rough. A couple of days ago, I ran into a farmer from, oh, he's probably 20, 30 miles away from us. And he goes, How, how's your corn crop looking down there? And I go, awful and he goes no come on what and i go no like the last few days are all of our corn has been rolled up we're that dry he goes really i said yes i i said look at the sandy spot just right out here we were by this this field that uh, had some sand in it i said look at how bad that looks i'm not going to say our corn looks that bad but it's all rolled up right now we need rain bad now fortunately sunday night some of our ground got an inch some other ground got nothing <laughs> So really spotty, but that inch was a savior on the on the fields where it hit because we just uh, we've been so dry for 2 years now. So I think it was July 6th, so that'd be tomorrow, July 6th, 2 years ago when we had our last really good rain and that basically ended up that wet period we had 2018, 2019 in the first half of 2020. Well, if you look at the average in 4 years, we're probably about even, but 2018 and 2019 were record rainfall, and then the last two, well, basically the last 24 months, we've had very little rain. So we need a bunch of rain, and we'd be happy to take any excess that anyone wants to give us. All right, uh, like I say, we're going to talk about corn crop. If you've if you've got any comments for us, you'd like to talk about how your crop's looking, just give us a call. Otherwise, right now, we're going to get to the Ag PhD mailbag. It's now mailbag time with Brian and Darren. Well, Brian, it's getting a little bit later in the season for killing weeds here, and we're starting to lose some options. Obviously, the dicamba options went off the table here at uh, the end of June uh, everywhere and earlier in some places. Well, you say that, Darren, but they did for soybeans. They didn't for corn. They didn't for pastures. They didn't for any other crop. And so we'd encourage you, if you're thinking about spraying dicamba at this time of year, please don't, and unless you absolutely have to, uh, even where it's right. labeled, because everyone, it moves all over everyone the Everyone says they have to. No, just don't do it. It's not worth it. There are plenty of other things that could be well, sprayed. Maybe. I, that's why I'm saying if, if you've got another choice, then then go for that. So, for example, in pastures, use Freelex. It doesn't volatilize. Compared, that's 2,4-D, the new 2,4-D, compared to dicamba that volatilizes terrible. All right. So here's a question. This comes in from Andy. He said, I got soybeans with 10 to 12 inch tall water hemp. I don't want to have to use Liberty because I want to keep my costs down. It got late down us here. We just didn't have the manpower to get back to some of these fields in time. Uh, oh, also, by the way, there's some grass out there too. Just what would you put in the tank? Personally, I would answer this, Brian. Liberty, yep. no question in my mind. Nope. Uh, there's, there's no more saving cost. You can spend as much or more money trying to put a concoction together, and you're just not going to be happy with the results. Yep. Now, even with the Liberty, you're not going to like my answer here. You got 10 to 12 inch tall Liberty, you got to go full rate. 10 to 12 inch tall weeds? 10 to 12 inch tall water hemp. Okay. Yep. And here's the other problem we're running up against. 
R1 is the latest for spraying Liberty. So pretty soon, that's not even an option for you anymore. So you got to get going on that right away. In soybeans, first flower, full flower, that's when you have to end. So in other words, I mean, you might have just a little bit of time, but not much. And Darren's talking about full rate. That's 43 ounces per acre. So yes, it's not cheap this year. That price is going to come down some next year. But, you know, Really, even if you spend $30 an acre, you go, oh my gosh, it's a disaster. I spent $30. That's two bushels of beans. Are the weeds going to take more than two? If they are, then the Liberty was a good investment. And here's the other thing. Even if they, even if those weeds don't take two bushels from you, if they go to seed, how long are you going to have to fight those weeds? I can tell you from firsthand experience on our farm, because we've tried stuff like that. We've tried almost everything just so we had the experience. And I can tell you that letting weeds go to seed has led to, a lot of times for us, five years of using extra herbicide just to control those weeds because there are so many out there. Water hemp, one plant, can put on up to a million seeds. Even if only 10% of them grew, which it's going to be a lot more than that, I hate to say it, but even if only 10% grew, that's 100,000 viable seeds per plant. Darren, what's next? All right. Uh, we were talking about shelter belts and uh, OM sent in a question. Guys, I'm from a different country and I'm trying to understand all the terminology here. I know what shelter belts means, but what just a row of trees. When people say mid field shelter belts, what does that mean? Does that mean it's closer to the field than a normal shelter belt? Or have you ever heard that term mid field? Never heard the term mid field. My assumption is it'd be in the middle of a field. So back in the 1930s, when we had the Depression area era, Dust Bowl, I mean, there it was bad. Soil erosion was bad. And so the Soil Erosion Service began. Today, that's called the Farm Service Agency here in the, here in the United States. And one of their big purposes was to reduce erosion. Well, one of the things they promoted very heavily was rows of trees. And that absolutely made a difference. But yeah, my guess is it's in the middle of a field when they say midfield. All right. Uh, this question came in from Jack. He said, we've got a ryegrass in our corn. No one knows how to get rid of. And he Round said, uh, they tried 48 ounces of six pound glyphosate. Didn't do much, but they did have some level of efficacy with using steadfast Q, atrazine and uh, surfactant. Sure. So it was a perennial well, ryegrass. Sure. And keep in mind, accent is typically better than steadfast. Atrazine will help just a little bit. Oil will help. So... Yeah, it's when you get those tough grasses, it unfortunately takes a higher rate of glyphosate and you can't legally put on a higher rate of glyphosate once the corn crop is going. So that's where the burn down, even right before emergence, you can run with a higher rate of glyphosate. That's what I would do in the future. Listening to Ag PhD Radio, we'll be taking your calls and questions throughout today's show at 844 844- 44 Ag PhD. We'll be right back. Corn rootworms are called the billion dollar bug for a reason. If you don't control the adult populations now, their offspring will cost you later. Labeled for field corn and seed corn, Steward EC Insecticide from FMC offers a unique mode of action that delivers fast and long-lasting residual control of corn rootworm beetles and other tough insects. 
That proven chemistry makes it an excellent fit in integrated pest management and insect resistance management programs. And with less effect on beneficials than many traditional chemistries, Steward EC Insecticide reduces your risk of creating other pest issues like flaring spider mites. Choose Steward EC Insecticide from FMC. Visit your FMC retailer or ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow label directions and precautions for use. The value of your farm building is in its ability to protect what's stored inside. That's why Morton Buildings ensures that every machine storage and insulated workshop we build will provide superior strength and durability. As a 100% employee-owned company, we're all committed to being the industry leader with a focus on innovation, service, quality, and most importantly, customer satisfaction. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. Pentair Hypro 3D nozzles are your premier choice for fungicide applications. Syngenta fungicide application field trials have shown Hypro 3D nozzles provide a yield advantage of up to 10% over other nozzles, maximizing the return on your fungicide investment. Learn more at pentair.com slash hypro. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today, and we're talking about the corn crop today and just getting a corn crop update. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear how your crops are doing. If you're not raising corn, you can talk about a different crop too. That's just fine. Uh, we all love hearing about the crops and hearing how things are going throughout the season. And then, you know, what are you doing at this stage in the corn to protect the yield and, and maximize profitability on that acre? We'd love to hear that too. Again, it's 844-44-AG-PHD. Let's head over to Wisconsin. We've got Brad on with us right now. I uh, want to hear how the corn crop's doing there. How are you doing, Brad? Doing real good. How are you guys doing? We're hanging in there. It sounds like we might possibly catch some rain here later today. Rain would be good. How about you guys? Yep. Uh, we had two tents yesterday, enough to stop the tractor pulling town, but that was about it. So uh, the irrigators are still running, so... Yeah, it's it's been a been a warm one here too lately. What what stage of growth is your crop in, or how big is the corn out there? Well, uh, I planted my beans first this year. Uh, finally got to, got around to doing it that way, so we put the corn in. So it was struggling there. Um, some of the no-till stuff, but uh, you know we side dressed a few weeks ago, and uh, now it's coming out of there. It's 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 over uh, waist high. So it, it's doing pretty good. It's catching up, but uh, you can tell that it's it's behind compared to last year. So you said the side dress kind of perked things up. How did how did you do it? Are you wide dropping? Are you guys using a coulter or what? What kind of system do you use? Well, it's uh, <laughs> the past few years we have changed it up a little bit. Uh, the past few years we went back to anhydrous and we're using that because it was the cheapest source of an. Sure. Uh, this year we went to urea. Um, with agritane on the stuff on the dry land, on irrigated, just wa watered in, and then we uh, do uh, three different shots of uh, through the system of uh, twenty nine zero zero four. So, oh, excellent, excellent. Um, you know, when we're, we're looking at this year's corn crop, you get waist high corn now. What do you do at this point? Is tar spot a concern for you? Are you guys big fungicide users? 
Um, we're keeping an eye on all that. Last year we had tar spots, and that was a bunch of stuff that was corn on corn for a few years. So this year, everything we either follow, we followed some kidney beans, and we followed a lot of soybeans. There wasn't any corn on corn. So I'm hoping that that maybe that'll give us a little help with with dealing with that. But we have used fungicide before to, to uh, you know, combat that. So. Sure, sure. Uh, what are you seeing in the other crops out there? You said the beans got in first. Are they filling in the rows now, or how do they look? Yep, they look real good. Uh, last week we finished our second uh, second round of uh, uh, glyphosate in that, and uh, yeah, they're looking looking real good and uh, keeping the water on them. And uh, same with uh, we we got some peas in too this year. So, all right, you mentioned irrigation. All in all, looking. Mention irrigation on those beans. I got to know your secret, Brad. Do you wait until they're stressed, or are you looking for a growth stage? What what kind of drives turning on that water on the beans? Well, uh, I kind of water them like corn, um, but with, with less tenths per acre. But I, you know, you try to keep them keep them wet enough. And I guess after growing these peas for a few years, that's kind of how I was kind of. You know, you keep them, keep keep the ground wet. Your water more often, but not as much as the past. Okay. So I, and, and and I don't have it figured out, but that's uh, <laughs> that's the way. Well, everybody's that's looking my... for that secret, Brad. And if you had <laughs> it, I don't know if you'd share it or not. But uh... right, right. <laughs> so I I'd like to know more too. But I yeah, you're just kind of winking it, and that's the wrong way to look at it. But I don't know. You yeah. know, so we're. Totally, mixing it up a little bit. totally different animal than corn, water in it, no doubt about that. Yep. And, you know, the other thing you worry about, too, in Wisconsin, you worry about that white mold. Do you get that much in, in your area? Uh, not so much. We're, we're pretty sandy uh, for the most part. Uh, we haven't had to worry about that really even. I got a, li- a little bit of low ground and uh, really haven't had a, had a problem with that. Good, um, good. So that's that's a positive, I guess. You bet. Well, Brad, it's good good hearing from you. I'm, I'm, I'm wishing you had that secret on irrigating soybeans, but <laughs> if we hear it, we'll be sure to let you know. All right. Sounds good. Thank you. You bet. Thank you. Uh, it's at uh, North. We got John up in Ontario, Canada. John, how you doing? Not bad. Yourself? Good, good. How, how's stuff looking up your way? Dry. Very dry. We uh, missed a big rain last night. Well, we got three tenths out of it, but that was gone in the first hour of the morning, so... Yeah. Uh, the crops still are hanging on. You'll see some in the sand hills uh, curling up pretty good, but some corn hip or hip high and some corn over your shoulder high. So, and we put all our wide dropping on finished last week and haven't had a rain on it really to speak of yet. But we're hoping. There's always hope out there. Yeah. Well, that's that's kind of our job as farmers to be optimistic on some of this stuff. Uh, you know, when you think about that, yep. you're getting getting pretty big corn. You got shoulder high stuff. What do you do? And this is this is one of those tough management questions. If you're normally a fungicide user around tassel, are you still going to do that if it stays dry, or does that change anything for you? We're not sure yet. We'll assess the situation. Last year in this area, we had uh, uh, tar spot really bad just came into the area first time we've seen it uh we we normally 100 percent apply uh, a fungicide and insecticide on our corn um so some of the farmers that we talked to that we custom spray for already uh being negative about it but uh you know we'll see i mean that rain might come yet and it normally doesn't stay this dry here i think the last time i witnessed this was 1991 so 
we were we were in for it. We're right in between the Great Lakes right here, just off Lake Erie. So, and, uh, so well, just yeah, it's just going to be wait and see game, right? Yeah, so, yeah. Well, you're right about that. The tar still spot looks too. good right now. There, the areas yeah. that are wet are already seeing some tar spots show up, but you guys are far from it. Yep. So hopefully, uh, hopefully yeah, it gets rain, but not the bad wet. stuff. No, we were very wet here last year, so that probably brought it on to make it worse. So, but uh, we're still uh, ready to put on our last uh, application of uh, Roundup on uh, on our soybeans. Uh, we planted some white beans this year; they emerged really well. We had an inch of rain since. I don't know, the 10th of May, and right after that, they came up very nice. So, no, all in all, the crops are looking good. Um, there's some stressed areas around our places, but uh, ours looks good. We're, we're really happy with it, but, yeah, rain would be nice. It's interesting. Some of our non-farm listeners will, will make comments that, man, I, you talk about it being dry, yet the crops look good. How are the crops doing so good when it's dry? And a lot of it comes down to management with fertility and soils and so forth. What do you credit it to that, you know, you think back to 1991, and I guarantee you that that crop would take it a lot harder than the ones taking it right now. We, uh, we try to have as much patience planning as possible. Um, you know, we, uh, try not to plant wet. We spent a lot of money on our planter technology, precision, uh, Delta downforce. Um, um, that's, you know, and having patience is the biggest thing with some of our land, like planting it, try not to smear the furrow, things like that. And, uh, this way we can get some good root action. And that's what I'm, I'm thinking that's saving ours right now. And I could see, some farms that were planted wet and are definitely streaky, and you could see the tile runs, the tile, the little tile they have in it. But we are systematically tiled on all of our acres. So, you know, and that's one and thing we've too, been doing John. That for the last twenty years. Yeah. yeah, let me let me dive into that one too because you mentioned that tile, and here we are in a dry year, and you're saying that tile helps. And we see we saw the same thing in 2012 when it was dry that our root system got deeper, and there was air down deeper in the soil. That was a good thing for our crop. What do you credit that to? The same thing. Like we, this farm that I'm sitting on right now, where I just purchased, where I live now, uh, it wasn't tiled, and uh, we we put in a lot here last fall and uh, fix some management problems in it, some uh, outlets, and it's it's already coming around. But, no, it's not as good. It takes, we credit, think it takes five years after tiling to finally get that all opened up, right? So it's uh, it's not a first-year thing. It's, 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 a, it's a long payback, but it's, 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 it's the best thing you can do for your soils, I believe. Yeah, and you mentioned being patient being a real key. It's one of the tough things to do, but, uh, <laughs> but you know, hopefully yeah. uh, your patience will pay off, John. You guys get rewarded with some rain soon. Oh, yeah, it'll come. That's the way it is. We did everything right now. Now it's Mother Nature's problem or ours, but we have to wait for her. So, yep. You bet. Well, John, thank you so much. We really appreciate having you on. Good luck. Thank you. Getting a corn crop update on today's program, as you can hear, and we would love to hear from you as well. How, how are things looking in your area? Our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. We'll be right back. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutricia and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. 
It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. You can count on AgroLiquid for precision crop nutrition. When you don't get all your potash down in the fall, when weather or market prices change your management strategy, or when you want to balance your fertilizer program with micronutrients, AgroLiquid is ready with the products and application flexibility you want for in-season crop nutrition and the research-proven results you need. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Be sure to attend the 2022 Ag PhD Field Day. I'm Darren Hefty. The Ag PhD Field Day isn't until the last Thursday in July, but we invite you to mark your calendars today for our biggest event ever. Each summer on the last Thursday in July, we invite you to attend the Ag PhD Field Day. The reason we invite farmers from across the country and around the world to our farm each summer is to say thank you. Ag PhD TV has had a brand new episode each week for 24 years, and we've been doing a radio show almost as long as well. At this year's Ag PhD Field Day, we'll have way more equipment and equipment demonstrations than we've ever had before. We've got a lot of new technologies we'll put into our research plots on site, and we'll have great family entertainment, including a kids area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and free food and drinks all throughout the day. Please go to agphd.com to learn more, and don't forget to join us on Thursday, July 28th for the free Ag PhD Field Day. When it comes to mites in your field, you can't afford a solution that might work. That's why there's Zealpro Miticide from Valent USA. With next level knockdown and long residual control, you can be sure to handle spider mites at all stages of life with complete certainty. With efficient translaminar activity, apply by ground or air, and confidently attack mites where they are. Make Zealpro the definitive answer to your mite problem. Visit valent.com slash zealpro to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. How's your corn crop looking right now in your area? We would love to hear about that on Ag PhD Radio. You can give us a phone call at 844-44-AG-PHD or send us an email, radio at agphd.com. Let's head down to Iowa. We've got Pat on with us right now. Pat, how are you doing? Good. So how is the, how's the corn in your part of Iowa looking? Um, Good, I guess. I mean, it's behind by a couple weeks from normal, but, uh, yeah, we kind of showed some a lot of nitrogen deficiency early on a lot of fields, but uh, kind of coming out of that looking a whole lot better than it was. Are you guys catching some rain where you're at, or, or how short are yeah. you? No, we're not short in my area. We had three inches uh, this past weekend, and, yeah, we keep we keep getting some pretty heavy rains. Okay, so you're on the opposite end of the spectrum then. Uh, what do you, When you're looking at that corn crop right now, how big is it? You said it's behind, but uh, is it catching up? I'd say it's probably two weeks from tasseling. So, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's at least shoulder high right now. 
Okay. Okay, so you're getting lots of moisture. Uh, what are your big concerns at this point then? Is tar spot high on the list for well, you? <laughs> that's the hot button issue anymore, I guess. So, yeah, we haven't seen any yet, but uh, that's, uh, that's what everybody's on the lookout for, I guess. Well, you're probably hoping they hog it up in uh, Minnesota. They've already got it showing up in fields up there, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, they can have it. So, okay, so what has it done in the past? Have you seen a huge yield loss yet out of tar spot? Now, I have not seen it in our area. I don't know why everybody says it's everywhere, but uh, haven't seen it, haven't talked to anybody that's seen it. So, you know, the last few years, we've had excellent yields. So. Awesome, awesome. What uh, just uh, curious? What do the soybeans look like in your area? Then are they are they behind as well? Or are they doing okay? Yeah, I mean, I, I plant thirty inch rows. And they'll never close in. They're I don't know. They're maybe a foot tall now. I would say, but yeah, they're they're going to be interesting. I think. Hopefully, we can keep the weeds down. Yeah. Well, which trait platform do you use for soybeans? I'm using the uh, Extend this year. But, uh, nobody around me has Extend this year, and I won't have them next year either, I don't think. So probably move on to the Enlist. Sure. Just uh, just going along with the neighbors to avoid the drift issues? or Yeah. It, well, the the seed I plant is now finally going to be available Enlist. Oh, so okay. I'm going to kind of be switching over. I've had pretty good luck with the a few uh, varieties and things, and I just uh, kind of hung with them while they were sure. doing so well. It was hard to hard to leave that, but uh, and now that they're switched over, I'm, I'm glad to switch too. Sure. So when you got this uh, tar spot concern, does that mean a fungicide application soon, or do you wait till after tassel, or how do you do that? I, I've always. Uh, waited till tassel time to, to put fungicide on. I don't have any plans to change anything right now, but uh, you know we're just, I guess, just keep watching and make decisions as uh, as we go along. Yeah, it's a nervous time of the year for a corn farmer, no doubt about that. Just kind of waiting yeah. to see uh, if we get the rains and if we get the disease issues and all those kinds of things. So, uh, Pat, really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today. All right, thank you very much. You know, Pat brings up a couple good points there, Brian. So you've got soybeans at this point where we're at the fort, we're past the Fourth of July now. They're only a foot tall, not filled in. He's concerned about late weeds popping up in those beans, and I, I think he's right. I mean, that's why we were trying to do all these residuals. Yep. Uh, yep. So let's just say that you did a warrant or an outlook or something like that as late as you possibly could, and it went out a week or so ago with your last spray. Yep. Uh, how long can growers count on that if we don't get canopy? Well, it depends a little bit on what you get for rainfall. So if you have excessive rain, you can't count on it very long. If you have a little bit of rain here and there, sooner or later, that residual is going to kick in. But that's kind of the problem. Is it going to kick in soon enough? And I, I mean, I don't care as much about, oh, it's going to help me a month and a half from now as I do about right now when I have the most risk for yield loss and I don't have as great a canopy. So there are a lot of things going on there. All right, let's head over to Michigan to get Alan out of this right now. Alan, how's it going? Good, good. How's the crop looking in your area right now? Uh, better today. We didn't have any rain in June uh, than a tenth or two, but we got four tenths last night. Good for a couple of days at this time of year. Sure, so it's sure. starting to look a little better. 
Uh, everything's late up here because we had a lot of early spring wet weather, so got planted late. But it's looking pretty good now, I think. Awesome. Awesome. How big would be the biggest corn in your area? Uh, probably about shoulder high. Okay. Uh, some down to knee high. <laughs> so. Yeah. yeah, there are a lot of... Uh, varying planting dates this year no doubt about it well and even on on each individual farm where you get in and then you get out for a week or two with wet weather and so forth so it's it's kind of interesting and then management i mean i think about do you have stuff you're still going to do in that knee-high corn or have you kind of got everything done now for a while i think we finished up the rest of our nitrogen yesterday and i i finished post spraying last week i as long as everything works good, I think we're in good shape. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Now, do you guys do like tassel time fungicide apps or, or any in-season nutrient apps that late, or, or you you kind of set once the crop gets bigger than your sprayer? Um, we do a fungicide app um, usually right after tasseling. Um, I know last year it was so wet we did two fungicide applications we did one at about waist high and then did another one after tasseling but it's been so dry this year we haven't done our first application I, i'm we're kind of not sure what we're going to do <laughs> at this point yeah it's always a wait and see and you know if you just got four inches of rain nice and easy over a couple days it, it would it would change everything yeah it would it would then you'd, you'd know what you need to do but but uh it's been so dry. I don't think there's any been any good weather for disease, you know, to develop. There's been hardly any dews at night and and a lot of dry winds. So to this point, it seems like it's been pretty good weather, you know, to not have disease. But it's always hard to predict. I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's for sure. It's it's uh, tough to figure that one out if it's going to come or not. And same thing with bugs. I mean, are you seeing any bugs near? I know we had a lot of bugs in the alfalfa and in our area, and guys have seen some bean leaf beetles and that kind of thing. But uh, how about how about up around you? Um, seen a few bean leaf beetles, but nothing of any any consequence that I've seen at this point. Okay. Uh, our biggest. Our biggest threat of damage has been deer. We've been fighting deer damage. <laughs> All right. Well, it's funny you had mentioned that. We had uh, Brandon from Illinois had, had sent in a question, too, asking about that. How do you deter deer from corn and soybean fields? You got any secrets? Uh, we've been spraying a deer repellent around the borders of the field, um, but you have to do it every 10 days or two weeks. Um, that plant skid deer repellent we've been using we rigged up a, a sprayer in the back of our side by side with a boomless nozzle and just go around the border if you do that and then do it after every rain or every 10 days or so it seems to help but nothing's foolproof no no that's unfortunately that's the truth our crop is pretty tasty and you know if you do you find if you spray around the edges that keeps them from going in there as much it does help a lot, yeah. We found out that um, we come across that by accident. Last year, the fields were too wet to spray, and the deer were just destroying them, and we went around the outside just with a, and it seemed to work. So we've been doing it that way ever since. 
Very interesting. So, yeah, thanks for sharing that tip. It's it's fun to you ask other guys, and it seems like uh, every farm's been through some different things like this, and and looking for solutions. And it's kind of good when you get a chance to to hear those things. Well, Alan, good luck to you guys yeah. up there. Hopefully, you guys catch a little more moisture and keep this corn crop growing. I hope so. It's getting to the critical point now. <laughs> yeah, it sure is. It sure is. Rain make a huge difference. So, well, thanks, Alan. Really appreciate having you on. Uh, Brian, back to that deer issue, too. I know we've had other farmers like Kevin Matthews in North Carolina was talking about hot sauce around the end. And it kind of sometimes it amounts to what do you have in your area and what are some local options? And Yep. Our dad thought having the rows one a certain direction made a difference. And I'm like, oh, I don't think that really helps a whole lot. Or narrow rows sometimes. No, we haven't found anything that's worked great. But yeah, that uh, deer repellent sounds interesting. Well, stay tuned. We'll be right back. In a world of Veltima fungicide. Hey, let's do it less dramatic. Just say Veltima fungicide. Okay, Veltima fungicide. No, that's literally the same. Veltima fungicide. Still doing it. Veltima fungicide does it. Seriously, we just need you to say Veltima fungicide. Swift, simple, and secure. Didn't I? Veltima fungicide from BASF in cornfields this summer. Always read and follow label directions. This is Stormy Fields with your weather forecast. Today calls for a high of 68 degrees with sunny skies and not a cloud in sight. Planting windows can close fast, so when you need both speed and accuracy, choose John Deere. Our exact emerge planters and precision ag technologies give you precise seed placement for uniform emergence and the efficiency you need to gain ground. See what you have to gain at johndeere.com slash gain ground. Be sure to attend the 2022 Ag PhD Field Day. I'm Darren Hefty. The Ag PhD Field Day isn't until the last Thursday in July, but we invite you to mark your calendars today for our biggest event ever. Each summer on the last Thursday in July, we invite you to attend the Ag PhD Field Day. The reason we invite farmers from across the country and around the world to our farm each summer is to say thank you. Ag PhD TV has had a brand new episode each week for 24 years, and we've been doing a radio show almost as long as well. At this year's Ag PhD Field Day, we'll have way more equipment and equipment demonstrations than we've ever had before. We've got a lot of new technologies we'll put into our research plots on site, and we'll have great family entertainment, including a kids area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and free food and drinks all throughout the day. Please go to agphd.com to learn more. And don't forget to join us on Thursday, July 28th for the free Ag PhD Field Day. When it comes to mites in your field, you can't afford a solution that might work. That's why there's ZealPro Miticide from Valent USA. With next level knockdown and long residual control, you can be sure to handle spider mites at all stages of life with complete certainty. With efficient translaminar activity, apply by ground or air, and confidently attack mites where they are. Make ZealPro the definitive answer to your mite problem. Visit valent.com slash zealpro to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions. 
There's a new kind of crop protection in your territory, and it's always on the hunt. Howler fungicide unleashes the power of the plant's microbiome and multiple modes of action to deliver extended, broad-spectrum protection against soil-borne and foliar diseases. With all the advantages of no residue, zero PHI, minimal REI, and take mix flexibility, get the fiercest, most effective protection available with Howler fungicide, a product of AgBiome. Learn more at agbiome.com howler. Listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. Getting an update on how the corn crop looks. We'd love to hear how things are looking in your area and what you're working on right now. Our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. Let's head over to a different part of Iowa. We got Gary on with us right now. Gary, how are things looking in your area? Yeah, we're looks. Uh, the corn looks really, really good. Um, behind we're probably two, a good two weeks behind i don't believe we started until after the 15th of may on corn so uh it's got some catching up to do but uh we had an inch plus of rain yesterday so we needed it but we weren't dire so everything looks good uh beans are a different story they've been struggling ever since they were planted but they're catching up maybe finally you know that's been a real common thing we've we've talked to farmers just all over and they said man the beans really struggled early this year and then they kind of hit a point and and sometimes we'll get feedback from guys okay remember i said they look terrible well this week it changed and a switch went off so hopefully that switch goes off soon yeah they were just spotty a little bit spotty uneven emergence uh i don't know if the germ on the beans this year was a little less than what it needed to be, especially when we're planting, you know, we planted beans before corn. So, uh, do we need to start cold? That, that's a good question. Do we need to start cold testing, cold germ testing beans like we do corn? Well, if you're going to plant them early, then yeah, that, that that's something that's not going to be on a standard seed tag. So it is nice to know. I, I'd at least be talking to my seed company about that. And yeah, if you want to check them, then you gotta you gotta run the cold test. But yeah, you think I know about- it's been standard it's been standard procedures procedure for us for quite a few years to send uh, all the seed corn lot numbers into Illinois to a lab and they do a, a saturated cold germ test and an emergence score, but we've never done beans, so yep. yeah. But yeah, I mean, personally, I'm not a real big fan of planting beans before corn, but even if we plant corn before beans, like on our farm this year, we still planted all our beans in the last week of April. So to your point, regardless of what which one you want to do first, I mean, for a lot of farmers out there, if the fields are fit, I think they would want to go when the first crop insurance date hits. And in Iowa and South Dakota, that's in April. So, yeah, I mean, the soils are going to be cold. I actually got our, so South Dakota State University has a weather station right on our farm. And so I got the temperatures, the high and low soil temperatures for every day this spring. And, oh boy, it looks ugly. I mean, ugly. So we've got it down into the 30s um, all the way until mid-May. So even if you had planted the first week of May where you would think, oh, we should be pretty good. No, no. You still got to look at that cold germ. I know there's a lot of replant on beans this year. I mean, it's not unusual for a few guys in our area that go early and then replant corn. But the unbelievable number of replant bean acres this year. And it seems like those that planted around Mother's Day are right around in that area. Then it turned real cold uh, after that. And just about all them acres had to be replanted. 
Yeah, yep. Yeah, and also you think about the disadvantage soybeans have to start with. They don't come standard with the seed treatment, whereas corn does come standard with the seed treatment. So I know there were some guys that were planting beans with no seed treatment in April, and then they also had some hard-packing rains. They had crusting. So, I mean, you had everything going against you potentially, and you didn't even know if the cold germ was good. So, yep, lots of lots is of things really to think that about. Many, is there that many people that still plant beans without seed treatment? Yes. Yep. Depends on the area. I know in Minnesota in particular, there are, it, it's an enormous percentage that go in the ground without seed treatment. I'd say it's 70% or more in the state of Minnesota. In South Dakota and North Dakota, it's the opposite. It's 70 or 80% that have seed treatment, maybe even higher. Do you guys use Alevo at all? I mean, if I don't use Alevo, we seem to get hammered with sudden death. Nope, we don't. We don't have sudden death at this point over here in our area. But for the guys that do have that problem, it's either Saltro or Alevo, and I agree with you, that can be a really big thing. Yeah, it, it, and when it hits, it's too late. So. Yeah, that's right. I, I mean, with all the diseases, if you want to treat right when you see a massive outbreak, you've already lost so much yield, there's nothing you can do. Well, we just hope now to continue to get good moisture. I, I, there's no reason we shouldn't have a good crop. Uh, crops do look good. And got good color, really good color. Good. Uh, one last question, sure. if I've got a moment. Yep. Your thoughts on Pivot Bio or some of the, and Vita, some of these products that uh, are supposed to capture nitrogen either through bacteria in the soil or microbial activity in the soil or, get, uh, or be able to pull it from the atmosphere. Any yes. thoughts? Yes. I would say, number one, there is some science behind that. But two, I would say I wouldn't put all my money toward those things. In other words, you've got to invest in nitrogen and not expect that, oh, this is going to replace all my nitrogen. It might, but let's test it out on a smaller yes, scale and, and on leave a bunch some of check farms strips. first. And here's, here's right. been the challenge, Gary. We talked to a lot of farmers. Hey, have you tried this? Yes. Well, what did you see for results? Well, I don't know. I had good yields. Yeah, but did you gain <laughs> right. anything by using it? And if you don't leave a check strip, you just don't know. But here's the other thing, though, Darren. We I encourage people who want to try those products to soil test first. If you don't soil test, you don't know how much nitrogen was there. On our farm, for example, we had several fields, Gary, where we had over 200 pounds of carry-in nitrogen. And so if we had said, you know what, we're going to cut our nitrogen use by 20 pounds or 40 pounds and we're going to replace it with so-and-so product, well, we would have done that. And of course it would have worked fine because we had all this carry-in nitrogen. If you don't have that, then it might be the opposite. But if you don't know what you've got, then it's a little hard to predict success or failure. Uh, what what do you attribute to all the carry-in nitrogen from? Uh, no rains. We've had zero leaching in two years. Lots of heat. So we've had more organic matter mineralization than normal. Okay. And then also spots in the field that didn't yield quite up to what we expected they were going to. So you got those three factors and all of a sudden um, we should have had 50 pounds left or 80 and now we end up with 200. Okay. Yeah. Now the worst <laughs> part there is if you end up with a, a lot of rain and then that nitrogen will move. So. Yep. Well, we, we haven't had rain yet in two years. I mean, anything to speak of, and not enough to leach out, that's for sure. So we're kind of praying for some rain. Maybe we'll get some here later today. Hey, Gary, thanks a lot for calling in today. Appreciate the questions and everything, and best of luck to you here the rest of the summer. Yeah, well, I hope you guys get rain, and we all hope we have a good good harvest and uh, safe and be safe. You bet. Yep. Thanks, Gary. Appreciate it. All right, let's go next to uh, North Carolina. I got Gerald calling in. 
Uh, we're talking about deer a little bit, Gerald, and I hear you got a comment for us on that. Uh, yes, I'm a wildlife damage control agent. Yeah. And I get a lot of comments about deer eating up landscaping and that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. And I have tried a bunch of those deer repellents, which I had very little uh, response from, but I have had good results out of using, and you can order it, Pure coyote urine comes in gallons. <laughs> coyote urine. <laughs> yes. The smell is kind of raunchy, at least the first day. Yep. <laughs> but I have had good results of keeping deers out of that. No kidding. Mm-hmm. Well, yes. Well, yeah, I, I imagine they uh, they know what's up, and they don't want to get attacked by coyotes, so they're, they're fleeing. Right. Yep. Interesting. Yep. So... Mm-hmm. So you say uh, you've tried repellents. Is there other stuff you've tried? Oh, I've tried the hair clippings, you know, from barber shops. Oh, yeah. And this kind of thing. And uh, that, like I said, there too, and it's they pay no attention to it. Yep. Uh, this is the best long-lasting uh, trick that I've tried. And uh, uh, then there's one that, you know, uh, you can get dried blood. Yep. Uh, like to use, you know, for that, but like I say, the coyote urine is pretty reasonable to do because a gallon jug will cost you about $40, but you can cut that using a sprayer yep. to, you know, like four ounces to the gallon of water or two ounces. Long enough the smell is still there, and that's where I've had the best result. How long does it last? Oh, uh, kind of like you was talking to the other farmer before, you know, it does pretty good until you get a hard rain or something like that. You yep. may have to go again. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it just washes it away. But, uh, I, you know, I've got good results out of it two weeks and three weeks, you know, without any hard rains to wash it away. So. Awesome. Uh, well, hey, Gerald, we really appreciate that information. That's going to yeah. help quite a few people out there. Thank you. Well, maybe so. Um, I was a farm, uh, grew up on a farm, too, so deer was a plague to us down in eastern North Carolina, and uh, this trick is, tri- uh, I'm in the western part of the state now, and uh, yeah, that's... I've done it in people's yards, and my business, damage control business, we've yeah, that... had a lot of people with Yeah. Hey, hey, thanks for that, Gerald. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. At Corteva AgriScience, we want to keep farms healthy and productive, today and tomorrow. That's why we're investing in a robust pipeline of naturally derived biologicals. Meet Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer. It's a sustainable nitrogen fixation product that facilitates crop growth and optimizes yield potential. With the fluctuation in fertilizer prices, Nutrition N is a reliable solution. It can be used alongside your traditional nitrogen program to enhance your ROI this year. For more information, visit Corteva.us. What's new from New Farm? Leopard Herbicide brings you exceptional planting flexibility for soybeans, field corn, and cotton. Leopard provides your spray plans with a fall or early spring option to boost resistance management. And did we mention it's a highly compatible tank mix partner due to its ultra-low use rate? Ask your dealer for Leopard Herbicide. Available for fall. Be sure to attend the 2022 Ag PhD Field Day. I'm Darren Hefty. The Ag PhD Field Day isn't until the last Thursday in July, but we invite you to mark your calendars today for our biggest event ever. 
Each summer on the last Thursday in July, we invite you to attend the Ag PhD Field Day. The reason we invite farmers from across the country and around the world to our farm each summer is to say thank you. Ag PhD TV has had a brand new episode each week for 24 years, and we've been doing a radio show almost as long as well. At this year's Ag PhD Field Day, we'll have way more equipment and equipment demonstrations than we've ever had before. We've got a lot of new technologies we'll put into our research plots on site, and we'll have great family entertainment, including a kid's area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and free food and drinks all throughout the day. Please go to agphd.com to learn more, and don't forget to join us on Thursday, July 28th for the free Ag PhD Field Day. Stop wasting time and money with obsolete adjuvants and foliar fertilizers. High-yielding crops require high-performing multifunctional products like the Fulltech Adjuvant Cube and Impulse from Spraytech. Contact your local retailer or visit Spraytech.com for more information. Get an extra semi-load out of your grain bin. The end zone from Farm Shop MFG can increase your stored beans moisture from 10 to 13%. On a 20,000 bushel bin, that's a free extra semi-load. Visit FarmShopMFG.com for more. When I step on someone's farm, I feel like I've already walked a mile in their shoes. I spend spring on the tractor and fall on the combine. I see the excitement in my kids' eyes on our farm, but worry if there's enough of it for all of them. I make sure everything Case IH makes meets the challenges farmers face, because I face them too. My name is Ryan, I am a farmer, and I work at Case IH. Case IH, built by farmers. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. We've been talking about corn and, you know, we're talking about deer a little bit on today's show, too, which has been pretty interesting. And I'd love to hear from you as well. Our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. Got Bill on with us right now in southern Minnesota. Bill, how are you doing? Well, I'm doing well. It's warm. In fact, yeah, yeah, I would say so, because they say, Bill, it's not the heat, it's the humidity today. I think it's both. I think so. I think so. So it's. I guess it's a good corn-growing day. Yeah, yeah, the corn likes it, that's for anyway, sure. Anyway, so my question is, now I sprayed Delaro on half of my corn. The other half we did Zyway. And I'm, my agronomist was talking, we were talking the other day about tar spot. And he says, oh, you know, you sprayed once and, and, you know, I'll spray again at tassel. And then I was talking to him about doing it again later on. And he says, well, by the time that happens, you know, the tar spot's there and, and it's not going to do any good to spray it. So I'm just, and then, you know, I put Zyway on half of my crop. And I've been, you know, just reading on that, and they're talking about uh, it really is not labeled uh, for tar spot, but they have been seeing some, some, uh, you know, I don't know, positive yes. uh, outcomes from it and stuff. Yep. So, But I am going to spray, I think, uh, Delaro Complete on, on everything just because, I mean, I'm, I'm getting kind of to the point where it's like, all right, where do you quit? But. I did, you know, I've got a bunch of corn sold at good money, so yeah. I don't, you know. Yeah. Uh, so, and then my other question was your alfalfa. You direct seeded alfalfa yep. this year, I believe, right? Yes. Yep. Now, 
um, are you harvesting that yet? Yeah, already did. Was that last week or the week before? Week, yeah, a week, okay. week or so, so ago. you were yep. able to get a crop off of it. All right. Oh, yeah. Yep. That, that was my, my, my question, you know. So because I, my alfalfa, I want to reseed next year, or I want to reseed some next year, but um, it's the, the alfalfa I have is, is we got hailed out bad this spring. Sure. And, uh, you know, it's just not looking good, and I don't want to go through the whole oats and yep. or, you know, whatever. But anyway, so you were able to direct seed and then uh, yes. go ahead and, uh, you know, like you said, what, a week or so ago? Okay, that was my question. Yeah, so we, but, yeah, we, we like direct seeding just because, we, I mean, I understand having some type of nurse crop out there to protect that young crop. People worry about wind and sandblasting and all that kind of stuff. I get that. But I just worry about right. the long-term viability of that stand and trying to make it as great as it can be. And so for that purpose, I would like it to just be direct seeded. Plus the fact we put Eptam out at a high rate pre-emerge and that would kill a bunch of oats or whatever we would throw in as a nurse crop anyway. Okay. Sure. Yep. So, okay. So anyway, yeah. And, and there's a stark difference where there, there's one spot where we've got an alfalfa field and there's another alfalfa field near it that somebody else had. And you can see they didn't use a pre and it's, I mean, it is night and day difference. Ours is very clean. Other than there was a little bit of volunteer corn out there, which I wish I would have scouted a little earlier. The the uh, the pre-harvest interval is too was too long. By the time I realized, hey, we had a problem, so I couldn't spray it. And the dairy said, no big deal. There's a tiny little bit of volunteer corn in there. Who cares? We're fine. But anyway, that was the only I would call it mistake that we made. We didn't get that volunteer corn out right away. But I wanted to come back to your tar spot question. So the the whole thing in terms of number of sprays, and and we'll do a show again here on Tar Spot after a while, but I, I, I can just tell you last fall, all the calls that we had, a lot of guys said, hey, I had to spray twice. I sprayed once pre-tassel, and then I sprayed after tassel, but we don't know necessarily when Tar Spot's going to move in. I will say in southern Minnesota, there's a farmer we work with who just found some Tar Spot uh, last week. So he he was like, uh-oh, this is earlier than I thought, so I'm going to get spraying right now, and then I'm planning to come back roughly three weeks from now, and then we'll see after that. Okay. So I, I sprayed, oh, it was two weeks ago. Sure. The corn that was not, didn't have Zyway, I sprayed, you know, with Valero half yeah. rate. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, it was two and a half. Sure. So... Yeah, and, and and now my plan is at tassel. Yep. And and yeah. I don't know, yep, and then I would just see after that. So I would spray at tassel, and then right. I would just see. And then also, you're going to have an idea what the crop's looking like at that point. If you say, "Wow, this could be the best corn crop I've ever had," and the guys that didn't treat have a whole bunch of tar spot, well, then you know. And like you said, if you've got some sold for a really good price. I, I, I'd be really tempted at that point to pull the trigger if it's two or three weeks after that and you right. go, man, I I don't know. It's not worth the risk. So on the other hand, right. if all of a sudden it turns right. to be drought and the corn doesn't look so good and you, and nobody else has had tar spot, you go, yep, I'll just save the money later. Sure, sure. Okay. All well, right. This, the first corn I had was uh, April 26th, and that's over my head. Nice. 
yep. it's good. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> awesome. You know, but anyway, yeah. All right. All right. Well, thanks a lot. You bet. Thanks appreciate for calling it. in, Bill. Yep. Appreciate it. Yeah, it's going to see. It's going to be interesting this year. I know there's even more Zyway out there, Brian, to see what that looks like. Because last year it's looked pretty s- good, but they got a much bigger test this year. Well, yeah, but on tar spot, yeah, it, it's not going to be enough. No, I mean, it, but it could mean just like in his case, not spraying a first time and maybe just spraying once later on. We'll we'll see. I don't I don't know, but I do know we want good disease protection out there because there are a lot of tough diseases. Whether it's northern corn leaf blight, gray leaf spot. Uh, tar spot like we talked about and others all right uh, step back into the mailbag get this one in from diego down in argentina he said so far my crop looks great i did a complete soil analysis and i noticed that sulfur copper and zinc were short of your recommendations added those and things look great so far hey thanks diego really appreciate that yeah it's it's great once you get sampling and we were having this discussion earlier today once people get sampling and they see what a difference it can make, if you know what nutrients your crop is missing, uh, you can better spend your dollars and you can feel a lot more confident uh, where those dollars are going. Okay, uh, get this one in from Jeffrey, and I think this is kind of an interesting question, Brian. What elements does corn need from young to maturity? Now, you said what elements does maize needs? That might might give away where you're from, Jeffrey, but uh, okay, so corn or maize, there's essential elements. Obviously, you need carbon, hydrogen, and oxygen, and you need N, P, and K, nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium. But you also need secondary nutrients, calcium, magnesium, and sulfur. And you need quite a bit of those, really. Uh, and then micronutrients, boron, copper, manganese, iron, zinc, molybdenum, chlorine. Uh, what do you think on that list, Brian? I mean, that's what the, the science books will tell you. We need all those nutrients. I, I see a lot of farmers applying the N, P, and K. Uh, I guess when I look at this, Jeffrey, I just think you got to test for all these things. You got to find out if you have some of those and make sure there's some around for your crop. You can certainly look at the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal app and, and see exactly how many pounds of most of those nutrients you need. Obviously, the micronutrients, you don't need a lot of pounds of those, but you need some of them to be there for your crop. Right. So everything is important. It's just you don't need many pounds, to Darren's point, on the micronutrients or even the secondary nutrients compared to those primary ones. All right. Uh, and last thing, Brian, we've got a number of a number of emails and calls about our Ag PhD field day. Uh, could you talk a little bit more about that? What are we going to see? Uh, many folks are traveling quite a ways to get here. All right. So first of all, just go to agphd.com to learn more about the Ag PhD field day. We'll have our schedule posted on there soon if we don't already. And it, I, I will tell you for the day, it's 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. But what we do typically is we'll have a couple of guest speakers right away in the morning or a few, and then we'll take you through our plots, our research plots in the morning. We'll do that again quickly late in the afternoon as well. But all day we'll have equipment running out in the field, autonomous equipment even. We're going to have a number of new product releases from some of the equipment companies where it's it's literally the first time you will ever have the chance to see some of these new pieces of equipment from some of the major manufacturers in the country. So that's kind of exciting. We've got a free air show. We've got a polka band. If you like some alternative entertainment, we've got great farmers coming in from around the country to speak uh, to you about things they're doing in terms of crop improvement and raising better 
well, let's just say higher yields and more profitable crops. It's all coming up Thursday, July 28th at the Ag PhD Field Day. Thanks for listening to today's program. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.